My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. A huge welcome to all of you, particularly if it's your first time with us. It is great to have you here at 4pm. And today we are starting a brand new series in the Gospel of Matthew, which is a book in the New Testament. They're eyewitness records about Jesus' life. We're looking at Matthew chapter 8 through to chapter 12, and we've called it the voice of the King, the voice of the King. That's because as we're reading these stories about Jesus' life, we are hearing the voice of God's King, Jesus, the King of Kings. I think it's a great series. If you're here this afternoon and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and maybe you're a bit sceptical about the Bible or about God and you want to find out more, these are great passages because you get to actually investigate Jesus for yourself, hear his voice speak and examine his claims. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next uh, term or so, hearing the voice of Jesus uh, through Matthew's gospel. As you came in, you should have found on your seats this sermon booklet. Um, inside, you can take notes each week on Sundays if that's your thing. It helps me focus when I'm listening to a sermon. Um, there's questions in there for connect groups, so you can bring them along midweek. And if you want to join a connect group, please come and see me. I'd love to help you join one. Um, so take that. That's yours. You can take it home. And it'd be great to have your journey with us this term through this series. So, I'm going to pray and ask God to prepare our hearts, and then we're going to hear the first passage read for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to hear your voice when we open your word, and we get to hear the voice of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. We pray that we would not just hear and then forget, but hear and be changed as we hear your voice. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to have our first Bible reading. My name is Abby, and we'll be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 1 to 6, which can be found on page 634 in your pew Bibles. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishments that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The second reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 8, and it's on page 833. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralysed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. This is the word of the Lord. There is no doubt that sickness is all around us. At the moment, we've got two young kids and feels like they're always picking up sicknesses from daycare or from uh, kids that they're hanging out with. It feels like we're constantly sick. I think about the, the last, just even a month, last month as a pastor and the people that I have prayed with who have been battling major sicknesses. Just in the last month, I can think of news of cancer, major pregnancy problems, traumatic injuries, serious mental health emergencies, chronic pain, the list goes on. All of us know people who have been affected in major ways by sicknesses, and perhaps that's you here this afternoon. I think when we look at so much sickness in our world, it's a reminder that, that all is not right with our world. Isn't that true? All is not right with our world. Our world is broken. Our world is groaning. In our passage, we see a whole bunch of sick people and Jesus, the healer, who heals. He heals three surprising people, actually. The first one's a leper who would have been an outcast. The second one, he's talking to a centurion who was a Gentile and Jesus was a Jew and even that is surprising in and of itself and he heals the centurion's servant. And the third person he heals is he lays his hand on a woman. 
Women weren't as respected back then. Men would never lay their hands on a woman. That's surprising as well. And as we look at Jesus heal these people in this passage, I think there's three amazing things we discover about Jesus the healer. Three things for you and I this afternoon. The first one is this. Jesus is the king who cares. He is the king who cares. Brad's already been talking about this. I believe Jesus is the most caring and compassionate person that has ever walked this planet. Isn't that true? And he cares for you. He cares for you deeply. Have a look in your Bibles. Look look at the passage, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it begins, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Leprosy was a pretty major skin disease. It would have been physically painful to have leprosy, but far worse than that, I think, would have been the stigma. You were isolated from society. You were an outcast. In fact, you may not know this, but if you were walking down the street with leprosy, you had to yell at the top of your voice, unclean, 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 so that people knew you were coming and kept the distance. Because in that society, if you had leprosy, you were unclean. You had to be avoided. I think think the best parallel to this is COVID, isn't it? I mean, if you you rewind just a year or so ago, if if you had COVID, you had to isolate. Uh, If you were living with others, you were encouraged to stay in your room, to not have any physical contact with anyone else. Total isolation. And there was stigma, I think. There was stigma. Do you remember Barbecue Man? We were all talking about Barbecue Man. How did he not know that he had COVID? Why did he have to go to so many barbecue shops? What was wrong with the meat from the first butcher? Why did he have to go to three? Yeah, we were all talking about it. Do you remember Limousine Guy? What was he thinking? We're all talking about Limousine Man, the stigma attached. Now imagine that, but permanently. How's this guy? permanent isolation, and he comes up to Jesus. And what I love is Jesus, he has time for this guy. Jesus came for those who are needy. Jesus came for those who are humble, who those, those who needed him. And the man with the leper says, the, the leper says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It's incredible, isn't it? Notice he doesn't actually ask any questions here. He doesn't even request He says, Lord, you can make me clean. He knows Jesus can make him clean. He's confident of that. He's got faith in that. His question is, are you willing? And what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand and touches him. Now, I can guarantee you, if you were there and you watched Jesus reach out his hand and touch him, you would have gasped. You would have gasped. I mean, just imagine, rewind back to March 2020. COVID's just hit. And you meet someone on the street. You ask them, what's your name? Tell me about you. And they say, oh, hi, my name's John. I've just come back uh, from a holiday in Wuhan, China. 
And on the way back, I decided to take a uh, cruise on this boat called the Ruby Princess. And I've now got a bit of a scratchy throat and I got a bit of a fever. Anyway, do you want a hug? I mean, you would be running the other direction, grabbing your hand sanitizer, grabbing your mask, because you know that if you get COVID from him, you also will be unclean. You also will have to isolate and be disconnected from everyone else. And that's what this people would have thought would have happened here. Jesus, to touch this man, would have come, become unclean himself. But look at the compassion of Jesus. He touches him. I'd say this man may not have had physical contact from anyone for decades. And you know what? Jesus didn't have to touch him to heal him. He could have kept his 1.5 metre distance. He could have. He could have arranged the healing over a Zoom meeting. He didn't have to touch him. But such is the compassion of Jesus. Such is the care, the mercy, the, the tenderness. He touches him. He draws near. That's our saviour, isn't it? That's Jesus. He draws near in tenderness in care, in compassion. And we should be just like that, I think. Do you know that I was reading this week that Christianity is the only major world religion that has always accepted lepers. You look at the history of the church, and the church has a long history of caring for the vulnerable, reaching out to people that no one else will connect with, that everyone else shuns. When we do that, we are walking in the footsteps of our Saviour. Who cared? He cared. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. For anyone else to touch that man, they would have become unclean. But instead, Jesus touches this man and the leper becomes clean. Jesus has compassion, tenderness. I wonder, have you experienced that? Have you come to Jesus for compassion, for mercy, for tenderness, for care? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is or how unclean you feel that you are, you may feel like an outcast. I don't know your story. But if you come to him, he will not run away. He will not keep his distance. He'll come near in compassion and tenderness. He's ready, to, he's ready to touch you with his love and with his spirit. That's the first thing we discover about Jesus. He's the king who cares. Number two, he's the king who rules. He's the king who rules. Look at verse five. Verse five. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
Two things I think the centurion says that you and I actually need to say ourselves to God. Two things. The first one is this. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. Well, this translation says, I do not deserve. He says, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. It's crazy this guy says it because he's a centurion. He's a big deal. He's in the Roman army. Has a lot of people that reports to him. But he knows he is in the presence of majesty. In the presence of Jesus who rules with all authority, the king of kings. And so he knows, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house under my roof. I mean, you think about it. If you want an audience with the king of England, uh, if you want to meet with him, he doesn't come to you you'll get summoned to his place. You go to the more important person's place. There's a scene in The Crown where the queen turns up unannounced in, in someone's house and, and, and the, the person is embarrassed because the queen's there and she's embarrassed about the state of her, her kitchen. I think about my mum. My mum's got plates that we're never allowed to use, but I'm sure she's saving for royalty in some of visits. Maybe my mum could actually use it if that actually happened. But it's never going to happen because how on earth could any of us be worthy of having someone like that under our roof? And that's what this centurion is saying. I am not, I'm not worthy. And perhaps he's also thinking about his life. Maybe he's thinking about what he has done under that roof in his house. The ways in which he has been impatient with his wife or been unloving to his kids under that roof. He, he knows he's a sinner. He knows he's broken. He knows he's rebelled against Jesus. He says, I'm not worthy. I do not deserve. Second thing he says that we need to say is just say the word. Just say the word. This guy recognises the authority of Jesus. He recognises that I mean, he's high up. Some of you are uh, high up in your workplaces and, and you're, you, know, you give instructions to people below you and they do it. It gets done. Or they pass on something to someone below them and it gets done. The centurion, he knows that's the case of Jesus. He just needs to say the word and this man will be healed. He knows his authority. And friends, I think these are the two things that you and I need to say to Jesus. I am not worthy. Just say the word. Number one, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be God's. I've sinned. I have broken God's holy laws. I'm not worthy. I've fallen short. And secondly, Lord, you have the authority. I want to take the crown off my head and put it on Jesus' head where it rightly belongs. I want to make you Lord over my life. I want to serve you. And I think that's what it means to actually become a Christian, to recognize your unworthiness, your sin, and to actually make Jesus the Lord of your life. We've all got to go on this journey that the centurion does. And sure enough, the, the, Jesus is amazed by this man's faith. He's amazed by this man's faith. He says, well, 
if the Jewish people had this kind of faith, I mean, that would be amazing if they responded in the same way that this Gentile centurion has, recognizing my authority. 4 p.m., this invitation is open to all of you, all of us, to recognize our unworthiness and to make Jesus our Lord as the path to becoming a Christian. That's what the centurion does. So Jesus is the king with, who cares. He's got compassion. He's the king with authority, the king who rules. And before we move on to the third point, I just want to take a little bit of a sidebar and a bit of a pause and just deal with a question which I'm sure you perhaps are already thinking about as we've looked at this passage. And the question is, should we expect Jesus to heal today? Should we expect Jesus to heal in this same way today? I mean, Jesus in this passage is healing so many people, isn't he? You look at verse 16, and, and they're bringing crowds to Jesus, and he's healing them left, right, and center. Should we expect that today? I want to say I think the answer is yes. God is the same God, isn't he? He has not changed. Jesus is just as caring as he was back then, rules just as much as he did back then, has the same authority. He is ready and able to heal. And so I think we should, we should pray for healing. And I think the most loving thing we can do if, if, if you have someone in your life who is sick, the most loving thing you can do is pray for them. Sometimes we wish we could do more, but that is actually the best thing we can do. Do you pray for people? Actually, pray with expectancy. Pray. Sometimes we pray not really believing God actually can heal, but pray believing that God can heal. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to heal. He's the healer. Praying with boldness, praying with expectancy. Later this term, we're going to be running a healing service as a church because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God can heal. I'd love to pray with you after the service if there's something that you need healing for. I'd love to pray. But I do think we can take this too far. There's a difference between praying with expectancy and praying with presumption. See the difference? We can pray expecting, knowing God can heal, but we shouldn't pray presuming God will heal. You see the difference? God does not promise healing. Too many Christians have been told, oh, you weren't healed? Well, you must not have prayed enough. Are you still sick? You must not trust God enough. Or pastors who get up and say, hey, become a Christian. And if you trust Jesus, all your sickness will go away. Can I say that? I mean, that is a lie. It's, it's cruel. It's actually cruel. I mean, Jesus tells us to expect suffering, doesn't he? And the Apostle Paul, he talks about how he's got a thorn in his flesh, which is probably some kind of sickness, and he asks God to heal him, and, and God, God doesn't. And you don't know why God sometimes doesn't heal. 
And often it's heartbreaking. And we can all think of people, we have prayed for healing. And God has not yet answered that prayer. Sometimes we see how God has been at work. Sometimes we don't. We're encouraged to pray for healing, but it's not necessarily always promised. I think that's what well, sort of the leper captures, actually. The leper, he knows God can heal. His question is, Lord, are you willing? Are you willing? So I think I have a problem with, with the language of we claim healing in Jesus' name. The idea of claiming healing. It's not necessarily ours to claim. But we should pray with boldness. God, you can heal. If it's your will, would you please heal? With boldness and expectancy. But we can't presume. And so we've got to hold these two things in tension. God can heal. He's able to heal. He loves to heal. And we probably, I, I think we don't talk about healing enough. And we don't pray for healing enough. And yet God does not always answer those prayers in the timing that we want him to answer them. But that brings us to our third point. Jesus, we see here, is the ultimate healer. He is the ultimate healer. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, it says, This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 53, which is our first reading. Uh, it's a quote about the suffering servant, which we know to be Jesus. And uh, at first glance, I mean, it's talking about Jesus dying on the cross. At first glance, it seems to be saying, ah, see, Jesus died on the cross for our diseases. And so if you become a Christian, you're never going to be sick again. See, he bore our diseases. You no longer have to fear COVID. You no longer have to fear a stubbed toe. Jesus has died for it all. But when you read Isaiah 53, we heard it read before, the very next verse after this verse says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, Jesus is dying on the cross for the penalty of our sin. He's dying on the cross to pay the price, death, for sin that you and I deserve to pay. And so, I mean, there's, there's no penalty in sickness that Jesus needs to die for. Jesus does not need to die to pay the price for your man flu or your tonsillitis. There's no penalty to pay there. He's dying for the penalty of sin. But here's the thing. The root cause of all sin, sorry, the root cause of all sickness is sin. The root cause of all sickness is sin. Let me be very clear. I'm not saying that every sickness is a direct cause of sin. The Bible is very clear that is not the case. But in the Garden of Eden, was there sickness? No. Sickness is a sign that this world is broken, that this world is not as it should be. 
Sickness is a sign that our world is under the judgment of God for our rebellion, for our sin. And so at the cross of Christ, when Jesus dies for our sin, he is dealing with a root cause. He is being punished in our place to restore and heal you, me, and our whole world. He's the ultimate healer. It begins by him healing our hearts. By dying on the cross, he heals our sin, restores us from the inside out. And because he's died on that cross, we know he will heal this whole world. There will be a day when Jesus returns and there will be no more sickness, no more death, No more cancer. No more mental illness. No more crying. No more floods. The healings Jesus does here, they, they, they sneak peek of what he's going to do at the cross, the ultimate healing, healing our hearts, and then one day healing the whole world when Jesus returns. Hallelujah. That's what this is talking about. Through the cross, Jesus has made a way to deal with all sickness once and for all. And it starts in our hearts. See, we are like the leper, aren't we? We may not have skin diseases, but we are unclean before our holy God. We are untouchable by a holy God, stained by sin. But God does not run the other direction. He does not keep his distance. He loves us. He's filled with mercy. He's filled with compassion. He's filled with care. He comes near in Jesus. He dies for us on that cross. He reaches out his hand to touch us so we can be forgiven. And all we need to do, like the leper, is cry out to God, God, if you are willing, will you make me clean? Will you make me clean? Forgive me, wash me, make me clean. And if you do that, you will hear his words, the same words he said to the leper. I am willing. Be clean. Have you come to him? Have you experienced that healing in your heart? Do you have the hope of him healing all things when he returns? Jesus, make me clean and he will say, I am willing. Be clean. Let's pray together. God of all healing, we want to pray right now for people in this room and other 4 p.m.ers who aren't in this room this afternoon who are sick.
You know their names. We thank you, Father, that you care, that you love us, that you're full of compassion, and we believe you are able to heal. You are more than able to heal. With the centurion, we say, you just need to say the word. We have that same faith. You are able to heal. We pray that you would heal. Lord, if it is your will, we pray for healing. Lord, if it is not your will, would you help us to trust you? Would you give us the strength day by day? Would you help us to look to you, our God, who our help comes from? And we thank you that you are bringing ultimate healing in our hearts. Thank you that you've washed us clean. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the hope of that day when Jesus will return and all will be healed, all will be restored. No more suffering, no more crying, no more pain. We thank you for that hope. So, God, we pray that you will be healing sicknesses if it's your will, hearts, and we long for the day you heal this world. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name, our great healer.